Welcome to Lanestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, this one you're listening to right now, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it, smash that subscribe button, tell someone, tell anyone, tell a complete stranger <laughs> that you listen to lame stream sports. <laughs> Just walking around on lower Broadway. Hey, you, do, do you care about, do you care about the dying newsroom that <laughs> we've got a show for you? <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> um, no, listen. Uh, Joe Rex Road is our guest today on the show. Rexy obviously is fantastic. Um, and and similarly to our conversation with Jeff Calkins last week, I think uh, please go listen to that episode. Great episode. Um, a guy who is a columnist who writes about everything in the city and also has a radio talk show to have one of the larger voices in the market. And um, so lots of interesting stuff with Rex Road today. I do have a question for you about AI, Steve. Are you okay with that? Can I ask you a question about AI later in the show? Can I do that? Sure, sure. I'm fascinated. Bring it on. Fascinated with, with the, the future of artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect the media. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later on. But Rex Road is great. Uh, so before we do, uh, Steve Cavendish, Lamestream Sports, is a podcast about national sports media and business. And it is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine people at Jaspers. So... Obviously, there is a football game on Sunday. It's the last one. You might even call it a huge game. A massive a, contest. A big game <laughs> of some sort. of Played somewhere by two teams, possibly. We'll see. Maybe with a name that is trademarked that we're not allowed to say. <laughs> but here's the deal. While you're watching said contest, you will need libations. And sustenance. Those are two things you're going to need. Jasper's has you covered. Okay? So just go to the catering menu. Click on the button. Look at the, all the delicious foods they've got. They've got desserts. They've got appetizers. They've got shareables. They've got entrees. All of if which can, can be catered th for your party. Throwing a party, you must, must, must consider the fine folks at Jasper's. Uh, it, it's just, it, it, is, it is absolutely the easiest way to cater your to cater your you know to cater your party to cater your event to cater, to cater your big game experience. We are in the business. Jasper's is in the business of a selling food and b removing stress from your life. Remove the stress from your life this weekend by just outsourcing it all to Jasper's. The whole entire situation, just outsource it all to Jasper's. Uh, so check out the menu and cater your event this weekend with Jasper's. Uh, all right. Um, so Joe Rexford, we talked a lot about Jerry Stackhouse, a lot about coverage of coaches in this market. We talked a lot about Vanderbilt basketball, about doing radio and getting up early in the morning. Uh, and of course, columnists and having a voice across all platforms and the predators and the type. We talked about everything because he is the generalist in Nashville now. So here's our conversation with 1025 The Game and The Athletics, Joe Rexford. Joe Rex Road, welcome to the show, sir. How are you, good friend? I am great. It's great to see you guys again. Um, thank you for having me on. I, I think uh, what I'm learning is that if I write about Jerry Stackhouse, <laughs> you guys, you guys will have me on this pod. So, so this is so this is literally what happened. We were talking, and we were uh, we were talking, and we were like, "What should we, you know? What should we do for the, this week's show?" 
And I said topically, I was like, let's do something college hoops. And this is this was this was early in the week. I said, let's do something college hoops that'll get us away from football, to get you know, get us away from whatever else. And so so we so we called you, you said yes, and then mayhem happens at Vanderbilt last night. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little bit different. A little bit different uh, piece this time around. Yeah, yeah, just a little, a little different feel. Yeah. Well, just just wait a couple of weeks. We'll mm. see what happens to the Vanderbilt Commodores. No. So before we get into Stackhouse, Vandy basketball, and like a million other things that you write about, because it's not like you know you got the the Preds are going through a, a really wild season. You, you know, the Titans off season is one of the most interesting, if not the most eventful in the history of the organization. Uh, and you sort of have to be at all of these places. So we'll, we'll get to this is where I want to start, though, because I want to bestow upon you a great honor, Joe Rexroad of The Athletic. Oh, God. Be- because because good friend of the pod, J.R. Lind is no longer here. I feel like we need a new Nashville's best generalist. And I think Joe Rexroad, I think you are right now Nashville's best sports generalist writer. I don't know if that's a compliment to you. I'm it's I mean it as a compliment. Congratulations, Joe. Well, th- thank you. Thank you. No, I, it is a compliment. I mean, look, I don't want to be compared with J.R. Lynn because he's way smarter than me and way better writer than I am. But but you know what? If I have to step up and, and fill the generalist uh, title, I will do it. I will do my best. We're going to need you to do a little more writing about hot chicken and maybe some uh, maybe some real estate in West Nashville. <laughs> I mean, I can certainly lament uh, Lower Broadway if if anyone oh. needs some of that. <laughs> Please, uh, but but the your floor far, is yours. You, you are far more handsome. Uh, just for the record, no no offense, Jr. Uh, Rex Rose, and you got a better hook shot. Frankly, uh, you're better on the bl- low blocks than he is as well. Uh, I can attest. I've tried to defend you uh, in that position. And uh, Joe Retro still got a little game, by the way, folks. Uh, okay, so Thank just you. just first try to give everybody. Um, like a sense of what your week looks like. I have met your wonderful and amazing <laughs> wife and family, and they must put up with a whole lot of just you being all over the world, like in Nashville. What what does a week look like for you <laughs> in this time where the Preds are up and down, the Titans are going through their stuff? You got to be at a college basketball game. You got to be at a hockey game. You're doing a morning radio show. When are you at home? Yeah, well, and look, you could also make the case that Sometimes it's all right for them for me to not be around. You know? I, mean, I mean, there's pluses and minuses, but yeah, well, actually, we're talking today on a three and a half hour sleep night, which is not the norm. I mean, it's basically because, and boy, I mean, if, if that had been an 8 p.m. game, I guess I'd be on an all nighter right now, but I just struggled to. I wanted to do justice to that game, the Tennessee Vanderbilt game, six o'clock start. And yet still, I don't get home till 1230 and basically, you know, I 1 a.m. sleep up at 430. So every day it's basically up at 430 and, you know, radio, which, um, you know, now ends at nine, which actually does make a difference in your day for sure. Um, And then it's just I think one of the things I love about this job is that there is no I mean, it really is. Who the heck knows on a particular day, you know, what uh, what may come. You have the built-in things when we're in football season, the built-in, the Titan stuff. And I try to get to that as much as possible. Um, I try, but, you know, like like you said, Brady, I mean, you try to just get to, you try to get to everything a fair amount. But but look, um, and Steve, you want to talk about college basketball. I mean, I have fallen off in terms of 
getting to as many games as I used to, like when I was at the Tennessee and things like that. I mean, you do have to make some tough choices uh, in that way. But yeah, then there's travel and everything, which certain times of the year, like coming up, probably be with the Vols, wherever they are, for however long that lasts. I'm not giving up on them, by the way. Sweet um, sweet, sweet 16, you could pretty much put it in put it in Sharpie. So, Can you? Well, actually, you're you're an optimist then. I mean, oh. I think, I, hey, I think they're good enough to be in Houston, but yeah, you know, I mean, last, I mean, you get to the second round and you you start playing good teams. But anyway, no, that, so that's you, that's more of a thirty years of Rick Barnes uh, failing to get past the Sweet Sixteen joke is what that is, really. I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. But of course, last year they couldn't even get there with a team that I thought right. was good enough to win it all. So yeah. Anyway, there's that, and so you have certain stretches of year, like, you know, like the Preds. Um, you know, the, the the story I always love to tell, and just tell me when I'm just bloviating, but in 2017, uh, my first year here at Tennessee, and we had a couple, like, family trips in the spring, and Katie, you know, was like, is this cool? And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, the Preds, <laughs> maybe we'll take the Blackhawks to, to five games. So two months later of working every single day and basically writing every single day at least one column about the Preds, I again hat in hand. I'm sorry, Katie. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> how does with me. how does the assignment process work with with you? Because again, you're sort of covering like, I, like I know how it works with radio. I know how you put your show together. I know how you guys do that every day, and and you got to hit your marks on on those things. But when it comes to writing, how does the assignment process work? Because you are essentially covering four or five beats um, for a company that is all about quality, not quantity. Um, what, what exactly, like, is it just that you see a Vanderbilt Tennessee game and you're like, oh, that's clearly important to my, my audience in the market. I need to go to that. How, how do you, cause you said you had to make some tough decisions when you talk with editorial staff, how does, what are those decisions? How, how do you come to those decisions? Well, a great thing about the athletic is definitely freedom within that. And it, and it has changed a little bit for me since I've been at the athletic because, we had beat writers on some of these beats and we don't now. So, I mean, that's the thing, like in the past, we, we, we've had Titans, Preds, um, Vols, you know, beat writers. And it, then, then it's like, okay, what are you doing? It's more like what I was used to in the newspaper world. Okay. What are you doing? All right. I'm going to, here's my budget. But I mean, I, I pretty much had freedom of the Tennessee too. There were some things like, of course, you're going to be at this or that, but pretty much freedom of like ideas of what columns you want to write. But yeah, I I work with my editor and I basically send him a budget. We talk about, okay, what about, you try to think about maybe a bigger story you can work on that might take a little time. But in the meantime, look at a week and I'd go to quite a few things that I don't write about. I mean, I go to, you know, I try to go to Preds games as much as possible and I almost never write off a Preds game. Some of that is just the reality of like, I need to go to freaking bed, man. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> uh. but it's also like, like you said, <laughs> You know, I, like, know like, I know exactly what you're talking also, about. <laughs> are you are you a napper? Yeah. yeah. Do you catch you know, naps? Um, since doing this, I have started to, but I I don't I'm not a power napper. I don't know what you guys think about this. My mom and I argue about this. She totally believes like if you go to like 30 minutes, you're screwed. And I don't like the 20 minute thing doesn't work. But I need like if I but if I get an hour plus and I I do sneak in like an hour hour and a half every once in a while that. Makes a difference for me. I don't know about you guys. Um, well, there's I've there's got, uh, there's science around the the time length, right? Like getting into your cycle or whatever. But I think it's twenty uh, or an hour and a half. Like you shouldn't do something in between. I, I've got an hour and a half's okay. 
Yeah, I've got oh, a yeah. I've got a sister in law who who her kids would set an alarm because if she went over a half hour, like she was she was screwed like the rest of the day and would like take it out on them. And so she, and so she would so so they were like they were like no 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 mom's been asleep for forty five minutes we got to do something here. Get her, shake her. Yeah. Well, well, welcome to Lame Stream wow. Sports, everybody. Um, <laughs> where we discuss the dynamics of napping. <laughs> How about darkness therapy? Can we get into that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You're gonna go sit in a room by yourself for four days? Is that what you're gonna go, go do? <laughs> um, uh, so what? Let, let let's start with with Vanderbilt and just the the Jerry Stackhouse story arc. To me, is fascinating. It's just. Like I guess my question to you is when when it's all said and done, however it ends, what like <laughs> how are you going to define the Jerry Stackhouse era at Vanderbilt? Well, look, I, I still I still think, and I've probably been, I mean, I guess I've probably been as positive about him as anyone you know in media in town. I think probably. Um, I still think that we may end up talking about a good tenure. I, I thought from the start, he's a good coach. They absolutely run good stuff. They just played two games against Tennessee, got better shots in those two games. And I mean, I've watched Tennessee closely all year. They don't like they are the best defensive team in college basketball. Vanderbilt was like 1.1 points of possession last night, both games. You know, the second half of the first game, Tennessee clamped them down pretty well, but they run good stuff. They, I think they run more stuff than you see a lot of college teams run. But more than that, the player development has been tremendous. I mean, it really has been the improvement of players. The question remains, you know, evaluating prospects and then also just the recruiting landscape that he's in. I mean, it's not, this is not the ideal time to be trying to bring back Vanderbilt basketball when we are talking about the portal and NIL and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it is different than doing it in the past. And I do believe that there's a, you know, that there's a, a, a there's been a lag time here for all of Vanderbilt sports because of the uh, long period of time of not keeping up on things. So I'm, it sounds like I'm making excuses for him. He still has to prove he can evaluate a talent at a higher level and build teams that are good enough. And also that he can get his teams to play better early in the season they they improve a lot Vanderbilt right now would play Vanderbilt in November and beat him by 25 but those losses are still on your resume so now you're in another spot like last year where you you'd have to do ridiculous things down the stretch you get in the tournament I mean you gotta you gotta make the tournament so Kevin Stallings took five years to get there um it's it's not gonna be it's not like Stackhouse is going to have forever. This isn't Northwestern. Well, Bill, where Bill Carmody goes 13 straight years <laughs> and doesn't make the NCAA tournament and keeps his job, you know, and, and it, like, and it shouldn't be, but I can't answer your question, Braden, because I'm fascinated to see. I, I think that's a big win for him, of course, over Tennessee and maybe a, a big win in terms of the fan base. It's one win, but they finished one of those games. They've been, they've knocked on the door in a lot of those games. Um, well, that was that was my question. Could be pretty good. That was my question. Was kind of like, where does a win like that? What what does that do for him, narrative wise? What does that do for him, kind of time wise and and recruiting and sort of like, you know, easing easing off some of the pressure? Because I mean, there there has been some chirping this year about about Stackhouse. Well, the thing is, it's like it's an immediate narrative buster from a week ago. 
Because, look, it's totally understandable. Okay, 144, you just set your best player. You have called out Jordan Wright, who was supposed to be one of your best players earlier this year, benched him. You've had this outbur- couple outbursts. It looks like maybe it's getting to you. What is happening over there, right? And so people who've been down on him, and I think some of the criticism of him have been have been unfair, like in terms of, you know, like work ethic and the recruiting. Oh, he golfs. Oh, yeah, because all these college coaches, all they do is grind film. I, I, I love that shit, you know. Oh, my God, I saw him at the golf course. No, in the offseason? How could he, you know? I mean, like there's some ridiculous stuff that's been out there. But a week ago, I'm asking the question. I'm calling some people like, what's happening here? And, like, I never have thought this year that Stackhouse's actual seat was hot. But what if that did lead to all of a sudden a string of losses and he loses his team? Everybody goes in the portal. What then? Well, here we are. That kid he benched has just had the two best games of his career. Hit a shot no one will forget anytime soon at Vanderbilt or at Tennessee, I guess. And uh, they've responded. I mean, I – it's like this tough love stuff, and there are coaches who will every once in a while be like, you know what, go out there and get your butt kicked. I'm not even going to call a timeout. But winning coaches do that stuff, and it's like, ah, I see what you're doing here, yeah. playing chess, not checkers. When you're in Stackhouse's situation, it's more like, oh, is this just complete dysfunction or what? So it's amazing, like, the whiplash in the past week, you know, just around the program. But to, to, to your point, Steve, I, I mean – you still have to like build on it, and and you've got to uh, you got to show more consistency. I actually think this team is good enough to do some damage here late, which is the same as last year's team, by the way. And they get to the NIT what quarters? I think nineteen wins. I mean, if they have Robins last year, they're an NCAA tournament team last year, and it's a different discussion altogether. Anyway, I, I do want to. That's get... a lot of hypothetical. I, I do want to get to sort of Stackhouse's approach to the media because it does it does sort of like tie into what how Mike Vrabel approaches the media. John Hines goes about it very differently with the National Predators. So I do want to kind of compare and contrast all these guys. But I have just in general, because I know you're a huge college basketball fan, I have sort of fallen off in terms of how much I've paid attention to college basketball just in general. Some of that is the work that that we do at this company and what I do for ESPN is different than what I used to do when I was in the college space. But I mean, Belmont's had a a pretty successful first season so far. I know they've lost a few games here lately, but that's a pretty successful first season and a major step up for them. Tennessee's been really good. Kentucky's down, but now they're back. Like, do you find that college basketball still draws attention and ratings and conversation and clicks like it did even just five, 10 years ago? Do, Do you think that, like I think I can make the case that all the changes in college football make it more interesting in the offseason, but those same things for college basketball maybe hurt it. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you might be right. Um, I just feel like it just depends. I look, I'll say this a year ago when it looked like the balls were um really on to something you know they win the SEC tournament, they're they you know, they beat Kentucky at home and they go on that run and they they look like a Final Four team, and we know what happened in the tournament. But during that stretch, uh, I would say the interest was very, very high. Um, in that. Outside so, of outside of March, can you write about college basketball and do segments on radio about college basketball, like that that are going to actually that are not just sort of like, hey, there was a big game last night, we need to talk about this one little thing for six minutes and then get back to the to football or the Preds. Does that make sense? 
Yes. I don't want to answer your question, Braden. I don't like where you're going with this, damn it. I love college <laughs> basketball, but no, I think I know that, you do. No, I mean, look, it's there there are limitations. <laughs> you know, there there are there are limitations, um, without question. So you have to pick your spots. I mean, football is, you know, football dominates in any way you want to look at this stuff. So um I would I mean, like to I mean I mean you you were writing about a Titans offensive coordinator change here at the beginning of the week. I mean yeah. and it's yeah. Right. So, and that's, and look, I mean, as someone who for most of my career, I was a beat writer and I focused on a, you know, basically on college football, but really I would argue that the men's basketball program I covered at Michigan state was, it was more important. It was elite year after year. It was every road game. So in my mind, yeah, this is, this is right up there with any sport, but no, you're, you're right. The reality is, you need to pick and, and and choose. You find great stories. I think it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But ultimately, the the daily making the donuts so much around football. Right, so we're here's the question: Tip off is at six. Mike Vrabel's press conference is at four thirty. Were you at the arena for the Mike Vrabel press conference? <laughs> so actually, the Vrabel presser was the day before the press. Oh, game. that's right. That's but right. I was. Yeah, but I was actually in my media parking spot with my laptop and my hotspot <laughs> on, you know, doing the Vrabel Zoom. So, yeah, so stuff like that happens. And, of course, on the Zoom, we had, like, Terry McCormick, as usual, on a, on a ring of Saturn, you know, uh, not being able to get his question. It was amazing. I miss the Zooms with Vrabel, man, putting in, ripping on everybody in the in the, in the chat, especially Kaharski. Uh, all right, all right. So just communication styles with all these different coaches. And they're certainly in very different situations, right? Like, I mean, again, Stackhouse has had his sort of Twitter dust ups or whatever you want to call it. He's got this narrative around his Twitter personality or whatever and how he approaches that, but he does approach it with a very sort of, I don't want to say like pro football coach kind of mentality, but there is some of that. Vrabel is like all the way, you know, full on pro football coach, you know, conspiracy theorist. I'm never going to tell you anything. I'm not going to talk about ex coaches. Um, and then, of course, you got Hines that that is dealing with a lot of pressure right now, but is far more personable and communicative about what he's needing to do. How do your questions change with all those guys in press conferences? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I don't think they I don't think the questions change too much. I mean, I try to like keep the th same idea, which is. Ask direct, concise, open-ended questions. And I believe me, I still fail. I, you know, I don't do the talk about, but I still fail at times. And my <laughs> wife, you mentioned my wife earlier, talk about, you know, she gets after my ass on my questions sometimes. But th so the questions don't change. But um, I got to say, as you go through those guys, and it's, this is two straight days of being around Stackhouse. And I'm not, I'm not around. I don't go to a lot of Vanderbilt basketball. Games. I don't write about Vanderbilt basketball that much. Right now, there's not a huge appetite for Vanderbilt basketball. I mean, they've, they've been a mediocre program. But the last two days being around Stackhouse, I mean, if 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 we could have this from everybody, it would be incredible. He was – I mean, because he he just opened a vein. Really, the day before the game, the stuff he was talking about. I mean, really, like some of it is like – is absolutely, I think, his defensiveness about the program and everything and all the noise. But, I mean, he also was, like, honest about making recruiting mistakes and maybe, you know, communicating with players he could be better at times. Like, stuff that a lot of coaches just will not do. They won't go there. So, and then last night, Stackhouse is, you know, Don Rickles after the presser. I mean, it, it was an amazing, like, I was like, I got, like, 
a thousand words of quotes I have to get in this column, and I'm going to get 200 of them in. It's like too much good stuff. So I'm right fresh off that, and I I hope for for Jerry's sake, like I hope he shows more of that because I think it would be good for him, and I just think it would good, like it would be good for everybody to have more of that. Um, I'll take that and someone who's pissed at you, uh, you know, block shot on Twitter or whatever over just complete uh, coach speak and not saying anything. And, you know, the thing with Vrabel is, you know, I, I he, Vrabel rubs people the wrong way. It's, you know, it's fine. He He's, he's also sensitive. If any of us were in these positions and we were getting scrutinized like this, like I try to put myself in those shoes, right? Like how would you react? But it does frustrate me with Vrabel. Sometimes it's like, I think coaches sometimes struggle to understand that these press conferences are really just they're, they're it's communicating with fans. That's what, you know, and they think more about us. Like, shut up, Kaharski. I want to dunk your head in the toilet right now, and so I'm going to give the like the shittiest answer I can give. You know, and again, I know it's not easy, but I wish Rabel would would think of it a little bit differently. And you know, because here and there he'll give a great answer too. But for the most part, he tries to keep us out. And then Hines, you're right, is very polite and very even keeled. And sometimes he can actually be pretty good with his answers, but it's also kind of hard to get a lot of real, like, human emotion and feeling and, and uh, you know, insight out of him. So basically, I'm just going to bitch about everybody I cover. How about that? <laughs> well, it's I don't think it's complaining. I mean, I think I think press conferences are performative. I, I think they're about human psychology more than than like anything else, like body language. And that's what like I learned more about Rabel saying nothing because of how he's approaching the conversation rather than like what he's actually going to say. Now, you can kind of you can kind of get him to open up a little bit if you ask like a scheme question. Um, in, in your opinion, do you think we get mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of fans complain about and this has happened with Preds. This happens because obviously John Hines is under a lot of pressure right now. This happens. I think there's a lot of complaining. Some of this is just Twitter's not real life, so I need to acknowledge that. But there's a lot of complaining from people that like the media don't ask tough questions in this town. It is not certainly Philadelphia. We are a more relaxed, chilled place, and that's okay for us to be a little bit different than other places. But do you ever get a sense from the press corps that they're not doing their jobs at, at these press conferences that are largely performative in nature? I mean, it's so infuriating. It's so ridiculous. Look, I I mean, I've been in the Detroit market. So the bigger the market, I I would say the more people, speaking of performative, because I think that's where sometimes you get this idea of tough questions, right? The more possibilities of people who are going to actually just try to ask an off the wall question or just really like try to stand out by being tough, you know, every single question that needs to be asked in any of these situations since I've been here has been asked. I've asked some of them, but I can go up and down the list. You know, the the right questions are asked. I think sometimes on Twitter, it's like, I mean, basically you want to be like, why are you not fired now? And why don't you leave town? You know, I mean, it's like, why don't you fire this person or that person? It's like, okay, I know you're angry in this moment after this terrible loss or whatever, but like, you know, we're going to ask reasonable questions. I mean, if someone can, can present to me, and I, I can just go here in Nashville, seven years now, a, a, a particular availability, press conference, interview, whatever, where a question that absolutely had to be asked wasn't asked. I'm, I'm open to it. I'll listen to it. But I really, it bothers me. And but I isn't, just. It, isn't the bigger problem not that 
we don't have tough media. It's just that, it, particularly in certain places, once you get away from maybe the Titans, where there is a mass of media, is that there's not enough media. I mean, like like if you go to like a typical Vanderbilt press conference, I mean, you might ha- you might only have like two or three people in there asking questions. I mean, it's it's not that it's not that people don't want to ask tough questions. It's there's just not a, there's just not this mass. In in stuff that's away from the brightest spotlight. I mean, I think that's I think that's, that's largely that's largely to the Preds too. I mean, there's not enough people sort of covering the Preds on a regular basis. I mean, particularly now that you know the Athletic doesn't have a beat writer there. That uh, you know the the Tennesseans been spotty. It, it, it it's it, it, there's just not enough people. No, that and that I think the Preds are the ultimate example of that because it it was not long ago where you had independent media traveling to basically all the road games. I mean, when I worked with Vingan at the Tennessean, I want to say my first couple of seasons, he pretty much went to every road game. There may have been like a trip or two, but now, I mean, Preds road games, it's team employees who are asking yeah. the questions. So yeah, absolutely. So, so great point. And I guess I should have been that when, when you have an infuriating, um, you know, loss on the road or something like that, I mean, I don't think it's fair. You know, it's interesting, too, when you think about, like, you know, uh, media working for a team. Because I still think of Jimmy Wyatt as, you know, I mean, Jimmy Wyatt still asks, like, the the right questions, right? Like, the same questions we're all asking. But that's a little bit different. But I don't think you can expect um, uh, team-employed media to, yeah, it's not going to happen, right? So what are we we talking about here? (laughs) Right. So, so, I mean, like, so that's, there are, so there are gaps. There are gaps where the question, maybe a question that needs to be asked about why, why didn't Duchesne take any shifts in the third period would not be asked. So, and that, and that, that's too bad. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by who? Steve Cavendish of the National Banner. Um, Jaspers? It is. It's in fact Jaspers. But here's the deal I got a question for you. Uh, are you a person who's, if you have a team that is playing in a major sporting event, uh, like if you were hypothetically a fan of one of the two teams that was taking place in a game this weekend, hypothetically, sure. are you one that can do that around a large group of people at a party? Or do you need to be in a small, circular, padded room without any sharp objects? How do how it, can you consume your favorite product? It depends. Uh... If it it depends entirely on the team and the stakes involved, um, World Cup, I watched alone. Really? Uh, oh yeah, I I I watched one game. I watched one game with with other people, and hated myself so much the entire time we were doing. It, <laughs> it wasn't because of the company. We were we were actually at Jasper's watching the game. Oh, was I was. The- and and it was and it was we had we had a great experience and everything and and I was crawling out of my skin. It, it's so funny you say that. Like I am so I think soccer is such a communal experience that I was so lonely during the first two matches against and watching Gareth Bale score on a penalty kick after Walker Zimmerman. People don't forget. Um, after watching that, I had to watch that game alone and I had to watch the England match alone. I was so excited to go sit with my buddies uh, out and watch the the uh, the Iran match. Uh, as they say, um, that that I enjoyed it so much more. Now, if I'm watching the Packers in a playoff game or the Mets in a playoff game, I probably need to be isolated 
in fairness the last the latter is probably so rare that you should you know you should you should savor that by yourself what are you what are you talking they made the playoffs last year what are you talking about (laughs) i mean it's a rare it's it is not an every year experience here's the problem is i know what's going to happen to the mets and the packers uh although we do have a you know i've got two super bowls in my lifetime so i can't complain too much but um I, i just I, I need to be pretty, I need to be able to, I need, here's the thing. I need a place where I go to Jasper's, by the way. I need a place where I can like, uh, like carve a, a, a route in the floor because I'm going right. to pace. I'm going to pace around the couch, maybe around the Island in the kitchen. I'm just going to pace. And so I need to have some space. I can't be bumping into people. I can't be stepping over children. I can't be worried about catering. Go to Jasper's. They'll do that for you. Uh, I just, uh, the Packers and the Mets, I got to be alone. I got to be alone. World Cup. I wanted to be with a group of people. That's that's interesting to me. I, I mean, I, I, I invest so much in the U.S. national team uh, personally yeah. that it's just it, it's different. Like if, if I'm in a stadium with 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 all these other people around me, that's great. But like I, I, where I was watching it on a screen and I and I can't I have no control. I mean, you don't have any control over it anyway, but uh <laughs> But like you, you feel I get. I think I feel even even more powerless in those situations. That like, I like I need to be in a uh, I need to be in a quiet, uh, you know, dark environment. <laughs> in you know, make yeah. a cave out of my living room. No, Not again, the- circular padded room with no sharp objects. Ideally, <laughs> ideally, <laughs> this is the right circumstance. I, for I me. have I have scared my dogs very badly uh at 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 various points in US national games uh where i have where i have screamed at at goals and <laughs> screamed at refs uh that i i just don't need to be in public and and be seen kind of doing those things and 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 i kept having to you know the, the world cup's such a great experience i went out and watched like other games like i could go watch other teams oh that's and, easy and, yeah. and i had a great time a great had a great place awesome time but and a great a great place to do that would be Jasper's, by the way. So exactly, and and I did Jasper's. it at Jasper's. It was it was it was fun. If you, are, uh, but, if you if you are not a fan, however, like I am not a fan of either team participating in said contest this weekend. I love just having a big old party, and if you're gonna have a big oh, old yeah. party, if you're gonna have a big old party. You're gonna need food. Now, for the Tennessee Alabama game, for example, it was just me and the wife. Like we were like, oh, we're gonna yeah yeah. That game was we that, did the party thing for the Georgia game. Yeah. In part, beca- in part because you knew you knew what was going to happen, I kinda, right? That's I think that's why we did it, is that we knew this could end poorly. So let's all let's all commiserate and, together. And, it, and if it and if it turned and, and like it turned out really well, you would you were like, hey, I, been I celebrated with all these with all these people. But but you're, it's all about expectations. Yeah, and the kids went outside so that the men could the the dads could pace. The women don't pace. The women are like, what are you losers doing? Now they paid attention. And, well, they care about it, but they don't care about it like in a stupid way <laughs> because they're sane. <laughs> right? Exactly. They are. They are. Jasper's is the next evolution of the sports bar. Women are a more evolved species than men. Full stop. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Get yourself a, a party catered by Jasper's, and it's a great place to go have a drink and watch a Preds game or whatever else you want to watch. So go to Jasper's, everybody. Go to Jasper's. There's a lot of stories this week about Vox and you know the last couple of weeks shutting down a lot of their their sites, SB Nation, everything. So let me ask you guys both this question, just in general. Because we know there's mass media problems in structure and paywalls and subscription and all this other stuff that's sort of affecting the business writ large. Uh, but some of that is also like there's there's a supply and demand here, right? There, there's also fans 
that if they were clamoring, like Michigan State basketball is a perfect example. They they are in that is a demand that they have more. They want more information about Spartans basketball and Tom Izzo, and so therefore there is a supply of that information. The Minnesota Wild, the Athletic has two beat writers covering the Minnesota Wild because the fans want more information. So it, it, it's it. Where's the cause here? Is it just the fans not wanting more? Preds, more Vanderbilt Commodores basketball, more Belmont basketball. Is it media forces? Is it all of the above? I, I want to let you guys sort of explore that for a second. Hey. Interesting. I mean, I'm 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 sitting here thinking about it. The there's a couple of things going on here. I, I mean, there is a chicken or egg dynamic, certainly. Uh and I, part of it is the 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 drivers in a lot of these markets have been newspapers, and as newspapers are diminished, I mean, the, the, so there's a really interesting uh, there's a really interesting study about public radio that just came out, and it was talking about in public in public radio, uh, there are public radio like in smaller markets around the country has been diminished by the loss of newspapers. And that that because they don't ha- they do, they weren't doing enough of their own independent reporting, uh, and you know this was true for WPLN for a long time. They, like they didn't have like a big news staff. They have intentionally built up a big news staff here over the last ten years in a in a really impressive sort of way. They are the outlier in, in that in that situation, and I, and I think that's a, that's true in a lot of in a lot of different places. So if you're talking about sort of like, you know, what you know should. Are, are fans driving this coverage or are you should should the sports themselves be driving that coverage you know it, it it's it's a little bit of both but once you remove newspapers from that and the Tennessean is in this market drove a lot of that for a long time you know both with, with talent and with you know with certainly with experience you know you take out and then, and then with volume, you know, covering a lot of different things, they don't cover what they used to cover. So, I, I think that's a big that that that's a big piece of it in the market, and certainly it's it's affected it here, affected it here in Nashville. Yeah, no question. Look, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many things that um, newspaper take it away from sports, like you said, Steve. I mean, like think about just how communities have been covered by by the local newspaper in the in the past versus now. I mean, it's. There's been a lot, lot of choices, right? A lot of tough choices, and I think you see that in sports. I think in some cases it's pretty obvious. You know, Vols football. I mean, like I said earlier, like football drives the bus, right? Um, but I, the Preds is interesting because so you mentioned Belmont basketball, or even like I would say like Nashville SC. Like, I mean, I, I would say if you ask people in terms of comparing numbers um, of you know like mid-major basketball right now, MLS to just on a, a daily coverage basis, if you went, and I don't know the Tennessee's numbers, but they would probably tell you, you know, you get, there's way more return on investment with the Titans, the Vols, but the Preds is interesting because I, when I was there, now granted, they had a Stanley Cup final run and they had a <laughs> President's Trophy team, but you couldn't write too much Preds, right? So, and I will say also, and like you said, look, like we've changed at the athletic. We we had beat writers in the state. We don't now. I I I was a little surprised this year, you know, that the Tennessean didn't when you know, Scarbina was out that they didn't do more of you know kind of like fill in coverage because they have in the past. 
So, but I, you know, I, and I don't know, I don't know what that is. I was a little surprised by that, but um, I don't have a great answer other than like you definitely are reacting to audience. You know, and, I mean, I'll go, I'll go uh, boomer on you. I mean, I had a lot of years in this business where like the only number I knew about was our circulation number, like monthly, you know, what's our Sunday, what's our daily. I had no idea. Do good work. I have no idea how many eyeballs are reading it. It was blissful. It was blissful compared with now, (laughs) but that's just, that's what it is. And so you, you absolutely have to react to that. Um, we had Jeff Calkins on here last week to talk about Memphis and some other stuff. And we got into a discussion about, about columnists and sports columnists. Uh, and Jeff had a, Jeff made a really interesting point. And, and I think that, that I think is very true, which is that the sports columnists today, like the, the, the big, the big generalist, the big, the person that writes across a lot of different stuff doesn't have the same platform that, uh, that they did, and then we talked about this a couple of years ago. You know, the 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 one that you inherited from Climber at, at at the at the Tennessean was not the same one that he inherited. Uh, you know, twenty years before, and so to make up for that, uh, you know, there has to be there has to be some other kind of way that you know Jeff's on radio like you are. He's on he's on radio two hours every 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 morning in Memphis. Uh, although <laughs> I think uh, due to his. Uh, Due to his uh, veteran status, uh, he doesn't have to get up at four thirty. I think. Mm. I think his. I think he runs nine to eleven. Is that, but, a, but is that the, a shot at? Is that a shot at Joe and and Chase <laughs> and Chase McKay putting himself in the nine to eleven slot? Is that what that Maybe, was? If Chase wants to take it that way, that's fine. Uh, so, so I, if, I take it as me being young. <laughs> ah, nice. So, so do you think that 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 is sort of like the 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 way of the future that that in order to have that sort of influence, you have to have, you have to be in kind of multiple places. Like you can't just, you can't just write for the newspaper or write for the athletic or write or do whatever else that, that, that the sports, the, 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 the unitary sports voice in the market is the, uh, you know, is the person that's across multiple platforms. Yeah. You're probably right. I mean, I, I think it, I think in some places you have someone who's been there so long. Like I, I still think in some cities, you know, the, uh, the, the, the columnist at the, at the paper of record who has been there a long time still holds it's, it's different. Although, you know, to your point though, it's still like the, the way audiences are now, the way audiences are changing. I mean, it's, I mean, growing up, that's, I wanted to be a columnist, you know, that's who I went when I opened up that, newspaper that's where i went when i was pissed about the detroit lions losing i said you better rip them good mitch album or you know drew sharp or whoever you know um and it's definitely different it's it's spread out all over the place so yeah i mean i i think i think it's it's a fair i also feel like though like maybe in some cities just like the radio host has a bigger I'm I'm struggling right now to think of examples, but I think you could probably go in different markets and find or or TV. Well, in Lansing, where I was, you know, Tim Stout has been on TV there. He's TV and radio has never done any, you know, uh, printed word, but he's he was for so long sort of the authority. He broke all this news, you know, too over the years. He broke he broke Duffy Doherty's retirement. Okay. So there, there you go. Like 1972. Sure. Yes, yes. Sure, sure. He lived in, he like lived across the street from him too, but whatever. 
Point being, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there, there's <laughs> like it kind of depends on just the particular market. But, yeah, right now, um, I it's how could you look at the job anything close you know, to what it was like the, the, the newspaper columnist job, any, anything close to the same of what it was. Um, it's it, it's just so different. Uh, but and I don't know where things are going. I mean, don't ask me where things are going. I mean. I have I have no idea. I fear for chat, many things. Chat Chat GPT. Uh, I'm going to ask. Uh, that's what's going to happen. Is Chat GPT is going <laughs> to take all of it's? It's going to take Teresa's job. Is what's going to happen. Um. Uh, all right. So the Preds have a a bizarro stretch here up until the deadline. The Titans have had the the most eventful off season. Um. I, when ownership is the big difference here between these two franchises, right? I mean, obviously interest level is what it is, but ownership to me is the big difference. Um, how would your coverage of the Predators change if if they had an, an Amy Adams Strunk singularly a singular voice out there in the front during a, a very tumultuous period of time for both the general manager and the head coach? How how would how would that change things for the Predators fans out there? So just to be make sure I'm clear, so in other words. Would it be easier, I guess, to like call for firing of people if there was actually an owner who might actually do that? Is that well, it's <laughs> I mean, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, I just I, like I just am curious, like, again, not that Amy Adams Strunk does a lot of media availability. She doesn't. But no. but she is the singular decision maker and voice and then puts out statements and then occasionally answers some questions every now and then. Um, not often and not often enough, but. She is the she is the sole decision maker of the franchise. She is the owner. Um, that is certainly not how the Preds are organized. And you know, Sean Henry a lot of times will speak for ownership on behalf of the group. I'm just I'm curious how coverage would change if there was a singular vote. Because again, this is going to happen in a couple of years when Bill Haslam takes over. Right. So in a couple of years, like how would this stretch of of coverage of a period of time in the Preds that that is very again like. There are people that are, are have a certain opinion about David Poyle. There are certain people that have lots of opinions about John Hines. I'm just curious how having that voice would change the coverage. Yeah, well, look, I mean, some of the coverage has been asking the question of, like, why, you know, is there anyone there who would who would make such a decision? Why does no one in the ownership group ever want to talk? And I know Herb Fritz finally did when they had the – and a premature announcement of, of Bill Haslam because of the news leaking out the governor's meeting last year. So it's been like, is there is there accountability that you would normally see in a professional sports franchise? And it appears the answer is no. I mean, I don't think I don't think David Poyle, I don't think David Poyle would still be the GM if there was um a strong owner, singular voice doing business as it's usually done in the NHL, right? So I'm not really answering your question on coverage. I'm really answering your question on what the reality of the situation would be. But I do think when Haslam, you know, then it'll be more, it'll be more easy to say, okay, Bill Haslam, what are you doing here? What are you going to do about it? Rather than, granted, some people who uh, did some very important work uh, in this city, keeping this uh, team here and uh, should be commended for that. But this is the problem with not having a, a strong voice. So it, it not really answering your question. I don't know. I don't know. The, I, I think I don't know if the coverage changes that much, other than now you know where to go and where to look. And I, I don't think that the reality of the team you're covering is going to be the same once Haslam has that control. 
I want to I want to back up here one second because you you'd said about Stackhouse last night that uh, you had like a thousand words of quotes that you were trying to get in. You end up writing like sixteen hundred words on deadline. I plopped it into the plopped it into the in, in the Google Doc this morning to count it out. How do you do that on deadline? And then uh, it doesn't help know, talking. Your... Of, does it help talking about a subject for three or four hours every morning <laughs> to flesh <laughs> well, out we, your opinions about what I you're going to write? You, you, I mean, you. Uh, <laughs> it usually, usually when there's usually when there you, you do something like that on deadline, it's not just like stream of consciousness, right? I mean, you, you've thought about some of these kind of pieces, and you may have had like a structure or uh, something kind of formed or half formed or whatever else that gets crystallized by, by events. How, how does that work? So last night I fully intended to write about Tennessee basketball, regardless of the result, because I have been gathering to write something bigger about Stackhouse, including like I talked to Shane Foster this week, because Shane Foster went on Twitter and asked a general question about, uh, the judgment of black coaches versus white coaches. And he got absolutely annihilated on Twitter. And I could only see the comments because when I looked at the comments, like, Oh, I've muted almost all these people. I guess I want to mute them <laughs> to see the stupid shit they said. And, you know, uh, and then I remuted them. Um, but the, <laughs> so, so my plan was like not to write Stackhouse. Um, I was going to write about the Vols. Like I haven't written about the Vols. The Vols are, you know, I mean, they're a number six team in the country. And I figured they'd win, too. Let's be honest. Okay. But I thought even if they lose, we're going to write about their situation. But then what happens, happens. So all this stuff I had from the day before that I was saving for this bigger piece later. And then all this stuff he said after, like, how do I not write this right now? Like, how do I not write this fresh in the moment um, with all that he has said, all that's going on with Tyron Lawrence? And it's a, it's a great story. It's a great sports story, right? Um, whatever you think of, of Stackhouse, it's it's a tremendous story. You have to write it then. So, yes, first of all, 1,600 words, Steve. I've been accused of a time or two in my career of being a little bit long-winded, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually me. That was the one of the hardest things about writing that was showing the restraint to write 1,600 words, okay? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's why – I was there way after everybody last night and I, you know, I, I got home way later than I wanted to, but I think it was worth it. I mean, I enjoyed it so much. This is like, I love working on bigger pieces and, and, um, you know, really digging in on things and um, a lot of different aspects of the job, but writing something live when you have something that's really good that it just, to me, it's easy. It comes out of you fast and it's just, it's exhilarating. So I had a blast. I still feel exhilarated now on that small amount of sleep because I actually was pretty happy with what I wrote on deadline. If well, I don't say so myself. So I'm, 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 so I, I'm fascinated with live reaction stuff versus I've taken three days to think about it stuff. Like there, there's like even my opinion about John Robinson getting fired, for example, I felt one way when I saw the news. And if I was writing a story right then, I would have written, written something different than after spending two or three days thinking about it. Is it the fact that you sort of had already prepared a lot of things and were ready to go with something similar to what you got that allowed you to flow through that? Or do you or do you occasionally look back on a story you wrote in the moment and go, man, I, I, I could have gone this direction. I, I could have tweaked that. 
it's not it's regrets not the word but just like would you have done it something differently when you go back and look at something three or four days later after having time to think about something because that's something that we just don't do in our society is actually take time to think about stuff no that's a good point but believe me there's plenty of regret i mean i have regret all the times about like oh i should have mentioned this or i should have thought of that right like that happens all the time but um so what happened with this was also I asked Jerry the day before about his relationship with Tyron Lawrence and he got kind of pissed and he had this tremendous quote about, and I, I mean, I had to cut the quote down, you know, in, in the piece, but anyway, I had this quote about him, about their relationship and about him losing his dad. And, you know, when he had, he had a kid, they supported him and all these things. And he was like, I mean, he was like, the one part of it was like, this is more than just a damn game. And he, I mean, he was fired up and I was like, okay, this is, this is good stuff, you know? So it was, I was holding on to that. And then Tyron Lawrence hits the three, like you have to do it now. Right. Yeah. You can't separate those things. So, I mean, it was kind of cobbling things together. I didn't know exactly where the other piece was going to go, but now I was like, come on. I mean, this is like, you're getting slapped in the face of this. I mean, you have to write this now. So, I mean, in a way it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of lucky, right, for me that, that it happened this way, right? Yeah. The fact that he's the guy in the corner, the guy, I mean, it, the whole story is like, you have to write it. So sometimes it works out that way for you. Sometimes it doesn't. Hey, but I have put, regret all the time, man. You, you put yourself in the right place at the right time, and good things happen to people that do that. So um, thank you. Thank you, Coach Rabel. <laughs> but got to coach better, got to play better. Uh, <laughs> all, all right, boys. Uh, thank you so much, Rexy. Uh, the Nationals top generalist. Uh, currently in terms of sports coverage. We appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Sexiest journalist at least, okay? And, and by the way, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anyway. And by the way, unmute all those folks so you can see things like, are, oh God, you, a, don't are, do that. are you a virgin, Tim Tebow? Do, you know? do, do, do not do that. Do, do, no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, unfollow is oh, a button that works quite You guys well. are the best. Thanks, thanks, Joe. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, lo- I love the pie. I love you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That was Joe Rexroad of The Athletic and 102.5 Morning Show. Uh, we did not even get a chance to ask him about the change of the schedule, but uh, congratulations to, to Chase and Michelle on, on uh, their their new show. And then, of course, Caroline moving to the midday. So a lot of cool stuff going on with those guys. Um, I, I do think it's, it's fascinating, and it seems like that you've stuck on this, or at least it struck you enough with both conversations between Jeff and last week and Joe this week um, that there is like, there's a void of sort of a singular voice that commands in markets the way it used to. And, and the person that does that now is probably the person that is across every single platform. You can watch Joe Rexroad show, you know, every morning, it's not just on radio. So I I think, you know, I think Rexroad is, is as qualified as anybody in the market to be that, to be that voice. I think he's too. I mean, I mean, Joe's a hell of a writer Uh, and, 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 if you're if you're not subscribed to the athletic uh he, you know his piece uh his piece on the game last night the headline on it uh was the night that was the night Jerry Stackhouse took down Tennessee and the talk of Vanderbilt dysfunction it's just a it's a really great piece uh that few people can kind of pull off that on deadline uh I, I don't know I don't know many other people in town that could pull that off on deadline he's just a he's a great voice he's a, uh and and a very very gifted writer uh you know my my wish is that is that that writing 
was was being consumed by you know yeah. a couple hundred thousand people <laughs> right uh, you know four hundred thousand circ instead of eighteen thousand subs yeah. right and, and 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 you know newspaper people like to delude themselves with circulation numbers like that like every one of those people was reading every one of those um, every bit of the paper right, right right when the fact of the matter is is that you know you know general interest newspapers are our collection of audiences and you know you know 20 percent of those people were there for sports and you know 15 percent of those people were there for business and you know 30 percent of those 30 percent of those 40 percent of those people were there for the comics and and crosswords and so yeah and and, and, and where know, they and where and where they could buy a 1993 honda civic yeah but but <laughs> but but we like to you know we, we like to say ah oh, you know a million people on sunday reading reading our stuff yeah that, that was, i think that I think was that, never I, true yeah right i i agree with that. i think i actually did buy my first car which was in fact a 1993 honda civic out of i think i i think i bought it out of a newspaper out of wanted yeah i think yeah. i probably did um so i, I think it's listen, again I, I, screw you craig newmark <laughs> what's interesting is and i i found i i there there can be i thought joe's answer was great because he clearly was upset about it which was what i was going for um with my very leading question about the media doing their jobs at press conferences i think it's such an easy lazy trope for fans to just say Oh, Nashville's soft on all these teams and coaches and blah, 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 blah. And I would say this. I think it is okay for us to be our own market, our own city, and have our own personality and be a little bit more relaxed than some of these places where everything is a giant fight and it is a combative relationship between every coach and every member of the media, basically Philadelphia. I think it is okay for us to not be that. And also acknowledge that we that the vast majority of the most important questions that ever need to be asked are actually being asked. They're just being asked in a more polite Southern Nashville style of way. I just think that that's that's okay for us to be ourselves as long as we're still doing the job. Um, for example, like I I went up to David Poyle after the David Poyle press conference. I told this story on the Gold Standard this week. Go check it out. Um, after the season ending press conference last year from David Poyle, which he was asked a ton of questions about wh where the state of the franchise is. Why did John Hines still get an extension? You know, players, all this stuff. I went up to him afterward. I got a little one-on-one -on -one with him and I said, are you changing anything about how you address your off season strategy uh, because of the situation you're in? Like, isn't that the, I don't have to walk up to him and be like, Hey, douchebag. Like, Clearly, right. you're, you're clearly it's not working. Why are you not? Why don't you change anything, asshole? Like, like, that's not that's not what you do. You walk up to somebody and you say, look, you've done it this way your entire career. Are you making any adjustments to your offseason strategy? Because this is such a critical offseason. Well, the and people he, that the, and he gave the, me a good the, answer. I mean, the people that value that sort of sort of in your face, uh, you know, approach to things a are mostly on Twitter, which is a platform that values. I mean, should I should say, kind of over rewards that sort of behavior, and B uh, would would likely never do that if, were they face to face in those press conferences. Right. Yeah. I mean, keep, keep, they, keyboard they, keyboard warriors. It's all it's all yeah. nice and fun and easy for you folks out there on Twitter to complain about all the things, and then I want to see you stand in front of Mike Vrabel. <laughs> stand, stand, stand in front of an all pro defensive end with multiple Super Bowl rings and you ask him the question. <laughs> yeah. Ask him why he shouldn't be fired. Like we're all just people doing our jobs. I, again, I think Nashville, it's okay for the Nashville media market to have its own sort of personality. And I, and I think, again, I think we ask the, the questions that need to be asked. We have certain people that are a little bit more antagonistic than others. 
But generally, we ask all the questions that need to be asked. And I think Joe's right. If there's a big question that has gone unasked, please show us. Please point to that. Um, and and we'll gladly accept some blame. And I'm saying we as like the collective here across all beats and all programs and all teams and all press conferences. So, um, all right. Quick question for you here about AI. Chat GPT. All right. Sure. Um, clearly, it is not. I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff about it. I think it can be really interesting and where we're headed. There's already like people in, in there's already like the next Zuckerberg in dorm rooms, like at colleges, like, you know, basically building apps and algorithms that can detect when it's happening, when it's chat GPT and when it's like a real person. So it's clearly not ever going to be as evolved as the human brain is when it comes to creativity or sort of like funny this Anakin. is the clip. This is the clip that they play in, at the beginning of like a Terminator movie, where when, yeah, yeah, before before Skynet becomes uh, <laughs> before it goes online, before Skynet becomes aware of, of everything. Oh, it'll never become it'll never become right. as evolved as humans. Well, but because this is what I find fascinating, because if you don't know much about ChatGPT, it is essentially all of the internet recorded into a singular like database, and that that is all just predictive. Right. It, it can predict what is the most likeliest next line of a sentence based on information it has it has been given. I actually think as far as sports media goes, and I was joking about about Teresa Walker there, but like, honestly, most of these companies that have large Internet sort of aggregation, find out what's trending, write 300 words, get it into the trending streamline so that you can get some clicks out of it. And then you can drive, you know, go sell ads around that or whatever. Like that is the thing that Chat GPT could do very well, and it could replace some people if those jobs are actually. Out I mean, there. I don't think it's any accident that BuzzFeed stock went up when they yeah. announced that they were they were going to do a certain amount of this work via artificial intelligence, and, and of course, you know, Wall Street looked at that and would be like, "Great, you're cutting costs." <laughs> right. Here's a here here here's a higher stock price. Th as, there as your is reward. There is no chance that that chat GPT could write what Joe Rex Road wrote. It couldn't do it. It could not do. It cannot take the nuance and the human personality and and the, the all that stuff because it, it is do it now. It couldn't do it. now. It can't do it now. That's fair. But like a great political speech. Right. Like not only is it a great writer putting that speech together, but it's a great writer writing for someone else's voice that there's no way chat GPT can do that. It can do what the AP kind of does, which is spit out who, what, why, where, when, and what happened. And and, and AP and others have, have been experimenting with, with machine-written stories like this for, for a while now. Yeah. I mean, so, they, they, this, is, this is not necessarily new. Um, it's just that the quality on it is about to take a leap. Uh, and, and so I, I think some people are going to have trouble differentiating between between chat GPT stuff and, and, and human written stuff. I, I think, I don't know. Is it, well, again, got people are already developing apps that can decide that can decipher between AI text and human text already. Yeah. Cause you know, cause you know, kids are going to try to use this to like write papers. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> like it is going to be one, 100%. I mean, that, that was, that was the first thing I thought about was right. like, was like some middle, middle schooler is going to spit out like a, Spit out like an eight hundred word theme and 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 be done and go back to playing video games. You know what else it could could do? It could actually challenge young people to think outside of the structure that has been taught to them 
what is what is the top what is the you know the five paragraphs tell them what you're going to tell them make the three arguments and then wrap up your conclusion like maybe we could be more creative with that structure and how we maybe teach we young could. people to write <laughs> well i mean and, and that's the thing about i mean that's the thing about like for instance the ap the ap style and the inverted pyramid um that 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 the ap uses it is teachable to anyone right right and including really sharp really smart computers here are the two sentences that are going to, I'm going to tell you everything I'm going to tell you in this story. Then on the third sentence in the last one of the first paragraph, I'm going to give you my thesis. Yeah. Like that, that can be replicated. What cannot be replicated is human creativity and thoughtfulness and nuance and emotion. And uh, at least I'm glad yet. you're the optimist in this one because <laughs> not yet, because I mean, the, the sky is fucking falling. <laughs> I, so we'll wrap this question. I'll wrap this all up with one question for you. I do think this is true. I do think chat GPT is coming for, white collar jobs which is the first time that computer and animation and ai has been attached to white collar jobs and not blue collar manufacturing jobs which we know has been a problem you know in the country for decades now right so i do you think that's happening i i i that's where oh, i think oh I it's absolutely it it's absolutely yeah. happening and, and they've been trying to experiment with this for a while now i mean i mean the the the, the secret about journalism is that when you're and and a, and we can have a deeper discussion about this some other time, but you know you're not buying, uh, you're you're not buying a person when you, you when you make a hire. You're buying time, and you're buying and you're buying an investment of, you're buying an investment of time, and you're buying an investment in, in legging out stories that never ever appear, uh, because they weren't good enough, or because they didn't turn out. To, to be actual news uh and so uh, you're going to find those efficiencies somewhere yep. i mean they're they're absolutely going to uh, ai is it, it, ai is going to enter the sphere and is going to is going to take away some of those jobs uh, absolutely but the i i think that over the long run good journalism it's still going to be something that is is going to be hard to replicate. Yeah, uh, the computer can't be in the room with Jerry Stackhouse asking him about his personal relationship with the player. Not although, not some... although, although somebody's working on that right now. <laughs> I, know, I know. I can't believe I'm the optimist here of the group. I can't believe it. Uh, on this note, quick re recommendation. I think you've actually recommended it before, but I have finally gotten around to becoming a subscriber and now an avid listener. And they've had a couple of great episodes about Chat GPT, about Silicon Valley, about deep dives into like who Steve Jobs was, into who Mark Zuckerberg is, all this stuff. Uh, on with Kara Swisher, she has become quickly in the last few years one of my favorite reporters on any beat in any place in the United States. Um, she is a, a fantastic tech reporter. So if you care about things like where all this, this tech is going in the future, uh, especially as far as media goes, make sure you check out that podcast. Kara Swisher on with Kara Swisher. It is fantastic. I've been listening for about the last six, eight weeks and uh, never, never a bad episode. There's there's politics in there for sure, too. But a lot of it is tech and tech related and business. And it's it's awesome. So go check it out. That's my recommendation quite, for the week. Quite good. Of course, you know, she was you know, she did all things D and she did a bunch of other uh, a bunch of other kind of formative um, uh, tech journalism roles before she you know before she's i mean she's essentially a full-time podcaster now yeah uh, because between that and pivot um 
that she does twice a week also from you know also from Vox media slash new york magazine uh that that's that's one of my favorite podcasts out there i think the scott galloway the guy that she does it with is, is really good i think we've talked about that on here before. uh the the big business of online dating as there's just an episode title just from a couple couple yeah. weeks ago so yeah it's it's, 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 it's really good yep uh but but which by the way there's a there, there's a land of the giants uh um uh, which is a which is an uh, a recurring series. This season of Land of the Giants is is on just that is on uh, tech and dating and and uh, swiping left and it was absolutely fascinating. I've listened to the first couple episodes in that. Uh, I, I want to give. I, uh, I I am I am down a rabbit hole as a married person for some strange reason yeah, of this is of strange. like of like no, but of like what the apps are actually doing to the human like brain. Just just dating apps, not like everything else. Oh yeah. Like, like the like, we don't know how to flirt with each other anymore. <laughs> no, that's true. That's like we don't we true. don't we don't know how to go up to someone and. I've interact. seen a lot of people try to flirt. It, it's absolutely true. Um, yeah, exactly. I want to give I want to give a quick shout out uh, uh, to Tony Husband and to Jamie Watson who have yeah. now, now both been confirmed uh, as uh, being part of the Apple uh, broadcast crews for MLS. Um, two guys that I have an immense amount of respect for. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm just absolutely thrilled about I, I you know I got to tell you the it, neither one of them surprises me because Nashville was Nashville has been really really lucky the last few years to have two guys with that kind of quality yep. and and, yep. and and shout out to you know you know the, the folks at Nashville SC who who plucked Watson saw the potential in him and gave him the, gave him the reps to turn into a truly excellent national. Uh, broadcast analyst uh, i think uh yeah i think the world of both of them two extremely nice guys that you want to see do well and man yeah, yeah. i am just i'm thrilled for them that th that they're there with uh that they made the apple cut and i and i believe jamie's sticking around in town so we'll we'll be seeing him around uh you can yep. catch him on you can catch him on club and country of course last week's episode was was great with the guys talking with yeah, him great up great episode um, with, with wes and tim it was yeah. really really good interview and you know he's 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 a, he's just it comes across there. He's just one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah, so. Yes, he, he really, really is. Um, and so is Tony. Congrats to both of them. Go buy season pass. I don't have to because I'm a season ticket holder. So it's great. I get it for free. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, there will be some other news, though, around uh, the MLS broadcast probably here coming soon. So we'll keep you up to date on all of that. But otherwise, thanks to Rex Road for hanging out with us. Um, let's let's hope that, you know, AI doesn't take Steve's job in the, in the meantime. Uh, otherwise, yes. Otherwise, yes, thanks, for, thanks for hanging out. Go to Jasper's, of course. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, have a great time. Use Jasper's to cater your weekend. If if anything is actually going on this weekend, use Jasper's to cater that event. It will be perfect. I guarantee you it will relieve all your stress and it will go off without a hitch and everybody will have a great time, which is what you're going for uh, this weekend. At S. Cavendish on Twitter and Instagram, you can get to me at Braden Gall. Again, thanks to Joe Rexwood for his time today. We do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We'll hang out with you guys again next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.